Welcome to Living Truth Radio, a ministry of Living Truth Christian Fellowship with Pastor Michael Lands. It's our goal to build up believers and to reach out with God's truth to all people. And now, here's Pastor Michael. If you would take your Bible, open it to Genesis chapter 6. We're looking at the Ark and the Covenant this morning. Genesis chapter 6, the Ark and the Covenant. As you kind of settle in and get your Bible in front of you, I'm going to pray over the message one more time. Genesis chapter 6, we'll be looking at verses 9 through 22. Father, I want to thank you for every precious soul that's walked through these doors on this morning. Thank you for all you did last night at the Harvest Fest, the joyous time that we had, remembering that you're the light of the world. In the midst of darkness, you still shine. God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. Help us to walk in that light as you are in the light, Father. Thank you for the forgiveness that we have in Jesus, his blood cleansing us from all sin. Thank you for your word. Your word is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. And you tell us that your word is to be followed because it has benefits, not only for this life, but also for the life to come. Godliness has eternal benefits. As we look at Noah, whose name means rest or comfort, Noah found a hope in the midst of a fallen and demonized generation. He found an anchor anchor, and was the hope anchor of his soul. He found, Lord, that you told him to build an ark. An ark was a work of faith. You told him to look upon things not yet seen, to see the world through the eyes of faith. Lord, we think of the apostles when you taught on forgiveness and they said, Lord, increase our faith. We think of the man with the demonized son who said, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. Your word builds faith in us, Lord. We're here in humility coming before the God of majesty, the God that breathed this world into existence, the God that sent his only son, God in human form that paid our penalty. As we look at the story of Noah, may it stir our own story of faith. Faith is going to be tested. It will be perfected. You are the object of our faith, but we know we're going to hit obstacles in this life, Lord, so help us to grow deeper in our roots, to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, increase our faith. We are here to hear from you, so help me to get out of your way. Speak to your church. Give us ears to hear what you would say. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. The Ark and the Covenant, Genesis chapter 6. Let me introduce the study with a reminder of Hebrews 11 verse 7. That says, by faith, Noah being warned by God about things not yet seen, in reverence prepared an ark for the salvation of his household, by which he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness which is according to faith, because the Bible says in the previous verse, without faith it is impossible to please God, for we must believe that he is, and he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Noah is an excellent man of his time because he believed God for things not yet seen. He probably had never seen rain before, and he certainly had never seen a worldwide flood. It's most likely that he lived 100 miles inland, and yet God told him, I'm going to send a flood, and I'm going to instruct you to build something that's going to become an object of faith, but it's much more than that. It will be an object of salvation. It will become salvation for him and his household. And as you begin to peel back the layers 
of Noah's Ark, it's not just some cute little story with a little ark and animals inside smiling. It's a story of salvation. The ark is a picture of Christ. And he offers salvation from the flood, salvation from destruction. God is holy and righteous. He will judge. But God has provided an ark, and there's one door, and Jesus is that way. These, Genesis 6, 9, are the records, toledah is the Hebrew word, of the generations of Noah. Noah Noah's name means rest or comfort. The Bible itself is a record. It records different records of people's lives and things that happened. It goes through and chronicles people who existed, people very much like us, who had to wrestle with faith and belief in their own time. And Noah is certainly an excellent example of a man who exercised faith. If I was to write a record of your life, or if some author was to pick up your story, what would your record of faith look like? What would the story say? What's the biggest thing that you faced in your life? You know, uh, faith will always have an obstacle. It could be the giant like Goliath. It could be the walls of Jericho. It could be the Jordan River. It could be the Red Sea. It could be the Egyptian army. Faith is going to be tested. And Noah had a big test before him. He knew he was going to be mocked. He knew he was going to be ridiculed. But the Lord said, a flood is coming. Who are you going to believe? That's what you have to ask yourself. And I've discovered something, I'm sure you have as well, that sometimes the biggest obstacle to my faith is me. <laughs> we get in our own way sometimes. We, we sometimes uh, overthink things or we complicate our lives when really God's just saying, just take me at my word. I've been around a long time. I know more than the so-called experts know. Believe me and follow me. These are the records of the generations of Noah. Noah was three things. Mark them in your Bible. He was a righteous man. He was blameless in his time. Noah walked with God. Three linking statements about Noah. He was righteous, he was blameless, and he walked with God. Let's break it down for a second. Righteous is the Hebrew word sadiq. It means to be just or lawful or a righteous man. In the Hebrew picture language, it means hooked so that your life follows. The picture is of a fish hook, the tasad, a door, dalet in Hebrew, pointing to the path of life, and the back of the head, which is kuf, which is the idea of following. What's the path that you are following? A righteous man follows a righteous path. Dr. Seekin says the word can also mean to hunt for the dust. The word is connected to the word for holy or threshed. He says, and I'm quoting, righteousness comes when we allow our life to be threshed, breaking the chaff from the grain and hunt down the smallest piece to throw it into the wind, to be carried away. It's sweeping out the old leaven like we see in the Passover imagery. Righteousness is the solid, real good that is left when the chaff is blown away, close quote. If you want to be a righteous person, it's going to be a process. And that's good news for us. We don't just arrive at righteousness. I'm talking about practical righteousness. It's a process. And God is in the business of constantly showing you what the chaff is and getting it out. And you've got to kind of just throw it up into the air. And the good stuff's going to land because it's heavier. The kernel of wheat's going to land. And the stuff that you don't need is going to blow away. Let it blow away. You want to be righteous? then let God sweep the leaven out of your life. Noah did that. It's a wonder that Noah walked with God. He lived in such a corrupted time that the Bible says in verses 5 through 8 that every thought and intent of man's heart was only evil continually. 
man was able to take every thought at this time and twist it or form it into something de- demonized, into something uh, idolatrous, into something self-centered. And God was sorry that he had made mankind. He was grieved in his heart as we looked at last Sunday. God does care. And he was grieved, but Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. And anyone who knows Jesus Christ, we can say that. We can put our name there. Michael found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Not when I was moving towards God. In fact, God was trying to get my attention and I kept running from him. And he awakened my soul. And at least, you know, he proclaimed the gospel to me. And by his grace, there was a response. Noah was righteous, verse 9. And he was blameless. Tamim is the Hebrew word. For blameless, it means entire. It means integrity, truth, wholesome, entire, full, sound, healthful. The word speaks of an integrity and innocence. It can be uh, found in a word that describes sacrificial animals as free from defect. When you are blameless, you are healthy. God wants you to be healthy in body, soul, and mind. He wants you to be a healthy person. In every way you can be healthy. And that's the idea of blamelessness. It's not perfection that we're talking about. Nobody's perfect. Noah gets off the ark and he blunders and he makes a mistake. He was human. But there was no open charge against Noah. Nobody could say, hey, Noah says one thing. He preaches righteousness and he hammers away at his ark. But I see him over here doing this every Friday. No, they couldn't say that of Noah. His walk was in concert with his talk. People do not expect you to be perfect. You need to know that unbelievers who are looking at you do not expect you to be perfect because if you were, they would have no hope because everybody's imperfect. But they do look for consistency. They do look for a person who doesn't preach one thing out of one side of their mouth and do another when they're doing something else in their lives. That was Noah. Noah was blameless. says of an elder that he's to be blameless in 1 Timothy. And Noah walked with God, just like Enoch did, as we saw earlier. The idea of the Hebrew here from one of the commentaries is walking with God is giving God the pride of place. And Noah walked with God, would you notice? He was a man righteous, verse 9, blameless in his time. He was a man who was outstanding in his time. This is your time. The Bible says it's appointed unto a man to die once, and after this comes the judgment. This is your time. This is not a dress rehearsal. You don't get to do it over again. This is your time. I always love the speeches of football and baseball coaches. Team gets to the World Series, uh, Super Bowl, and the coach will give a speech to fire up the team. And often you'll hear those words, this is your time. You may not get back to this game ever again. This is your time. Friends, brothers and sisters, this is your time. You're not going to get it back again. How are you doing? How are you exploiting that time? God has put you in Corona, or maybe Norco, or Yorba Linda, or Riverside for such a time as this. You have the ability to affect people just by walking with God and being a person who is living out a right life. This is the time. But your walk is not just about you. Your walk is about others. The next verse says, And Noah became the father of three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Now this rings a... uh, I can relate with this so well because I'm the father of three sons. 
Each of them are a gift from God. Uh, two teenage boys and another one that's in his 20s now. And I realize that my sons watch me. They see how I respond to life. They watch whether or not I'm a man of integrity. And you all know that sons want to be like their father. And daughter and father relationships are so precious. The Bible says, Therefore be careful how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise. Don't be a fool, the Bible says. You've got other people walking in your footsteps. Noah, Daniel, and Job are singled out for their righteousness in Ezekiel 14, 14 and verse 20. They were rare in their day. And I ask you, who do you want to be? Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. J. Vernon McGee in his wonderful style says, you are a preacher, I'm quoting, whoever you are. It may be in a very small circle, but you are affecting someone. You are a preacher in your own home. This reminds me of a father who kept a jug of whiskey hidden in the corn crib. It was his habit to go out there every morning and get himself a drink. On a snowy morning, he went out to the barn, as was his habit, but this time he heard someone behind him. He turned around and found that it was his little son following him, stepping in the footsteps in the snow where his father had walked. The father asked, What are you doing, son? The little boy answered, I'm following in your footsteps, daddy. He sent the boy back into the house and then went out into the corn crib and smashed that jug of whiskey. He realized that he didn't want his boy to be following in his footsteps. Someone in your home is following in your footsteps. The question is, where are you leading him? Close quote. You see, Noah had more at stake than he could realize. In fact, if you think about it, the only reason that you and I are here is because Noah believed God. For every family on the earth comes from Noah, his three sons, and their wives. Every person, every race comes from the people that survived the flood. Do you know that in the world right now, there are over 280 flood legends in different cultures? All of them have similar aspects. They talk about a worldwide flood, some of them localized flood. They talk about a few people getting on a boat and surviving and the human population increasing or continuing on, if you will. You are here because of Noah's faith. Now, you may not realize how your faith affects others and even future generations. Noah probably couldn't have imagined that from his family everything was going to happen in this way. But Noah took God at his word. It wasn't easy. The earth, verse 11, was corrupt in the sight of God. And I would say to you, that's all that really matters is what God sees. It doesn't matter what your friends think, the so-called experts of the day think. What really matters is what does God see? God is a God of truth. He is a God of holiness. What does he say? We should be asking, Father, is this pleasing in your sight? That's my question. Well, in God's sight, the earth was corrupt in the sight of God. The earth was filled with violence. One expression of corruption is violence. The word corrupt is sahat. It's a very strong term. The Hebrew stem occurs seven times in this narrative. And the word corrupt means to ruin or destroy. To corrupt is to destroy. So what God was about to do to them, they had already done to themselves. They had already corrupted themselves. And now God says, the earth has corrupted themselves. Everything that they do, every thought that they think. You know, we think our day is bad, but the time of Noah was a terrible time. Everybody was twisted and distorted in their thinking, and the earth was filled with violence. Violence reminds us of the story of Cain and Abel and what 
drove Cain's violence against his brother was jealousy and envy. And now we have an epidemic in our world of Christian persecution. Millions of Christians being persecuted for their faith. It's even happening in the United States. And if stuff doesn't change, it's going to become worse. And when people take out violence against Christians, it's really an expression against the God of the Bible. In fact, Jesus said to Saul on the road to Damascus, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? It is hard for you to kick against the goads. You keep kicking against it, but you're going to lose, Saul. But Saul was marvelously converted. Violence is an indicator of people getting away from God and taking violent actions against other people to express hate or to carry out their envious plots. And God looked on the world. He looked on the earth and behold, it was corrupt. For all flesh, verse 12, had corrupted their way upon the earth This is a condensed form of really everything that's come from Genesis 3 and the fall up to Genesis 6, verse 8. People were twisted in their thinking and God looked and everything was corrupted. Everything was soiled with sin and uh, just debased life. Then God said to Noah, the end of all flesh has come before me for the earth is filled with violence because of them. Mark that. And behold, I'm about to destroy them with the earth. Violence had flowed out because of them to destroy. Is that Hebrew stem for corrupt? And some ancient uh, versions have it et ha-aretz. It has the idea that the earth's topsoil had to be cleansed from all the corruption. Hence the flood was even an image of washing the earth from all of its pollution. Second Peter 3.6 says, The world at that time was destroyed being flooded with water. That world perished. It is gone. Those people are gone. Everything about it is gone. It's over. God said, I'm going to destroy everything and I'm going to start over with you, Noah, and your family. Everybody that walked around with a chip on their shoulder thinking it could never happen. All those people who mocked Noah every time they walked by his ark, they're gone. Gone. So much of us put so much uh, emphasis on what people think about us in high school. Can I tell you, people who are still kind of just right around that age, it doesn't matter. (laughs) What they think about you in high school doesn't matter. But what you want to do is let God's plan for your life drive your walk. So here's Noah. The earth is corrupted And God says, make for yourself an ark of gopher wood. We don't know really what wood gopher wood is. And you shall make the ark with rooms and shall cover it inside and out with pitch. The word ark in Hebrew is teva, T-E-V-A. It's interesting, in the Hebrew picture language, when you take this, the individual letters, the ark means the house of the sign, get this, or the house of the cross. The ark was a floating a vessel of salvation. Its flag was a cross. I don't know if you knew that, but I'm just kidding. (laughs) You guys all look really serious at me. But it was a floating vessel of salvation. That's what the whole message is. It was a sign. It was a way of preserving life in the midst of the judgment. Make an ark. This is only used in two places, Teva, in the Old Testament. It's used in the Bible for Noah's ark, and guess the other place it's used. The basket of Moses. When Yoshebed put little Moses in a mini ark, Teva, 
and sent him down the Nile River with an edict to kill all the Hebrew babies and the little uh, basket that she so tenderly prepared for Moses became a boat of salvation. Only used twice those two places. Imagine Moses writing Genesis and seeing that word and going, hey, that reminds me of a mini boat I rode in when I was just a young little baby. That's the beauty of this word. It's a protection from danger and what looks like certain death. And this is the deliverance. See the word pitch in verse 14? That's the word kofer. It's transliterated into English K-O-P-H-E-R. It means properly to cover. And it speaks of pitch or a resinous substance to caulk. Yom Kippur in English is the Day of Atonement. And Kippur is from the Hebrew word Kafar, meaning to cover. So, not only was the ark a means of salvation, but the word for the pitch is the word for atonement. And the boat was sealed with the pitch inside and out, and you and I are sealed by the blood of the Lamb. This word for pitch, reminding us of atonement, tells us that the ark becomes a picture of atonement. And it is, it is sealed Just like the door of the Hebrews was sealed with the blood of the Passover lamb. And they had to apply the blood of the lamb like this to the doorpost and the lentil at the top of the door. And even that becomes a message of the cross. If I see the blood, I will pass over you and judgment will not hit your home. The word kafar literally means to cover the mouth. It's everything that God could say against us but he doesn't. He opened not his mouth. When Jesus was dying on the cross and when he was facing the cross, he could have, he could have responded. He could have uh, condemned the whole landscape and the whole human population, but he opened not his mouth. That's kafar, to atone. To not say something when you could say something. To cover somebody by the righteousness of another. This is, in essence, the first mention of atonement in the Bible, although in Genesis 3.21 we see that God made coverings for our first parents. But this is an ark of covering. It's protection from Almighty God. And that's exactly what happened. Psalm 32.7 says, You are my hiding place. You preserve me from trouble. You surround me with songs of deliverance. And Psalm 119.114 says, You are my hiding place and my shield I wait for your word. Can you imagine after the flood started and Noah realized all that had happened, how grateful he must have been that he did it God's way? You know, the Bible says that there was only one door to the ark and God shut that door. I wonder if there were people outside saying, Noah, we've changed our mind. Let us into the ark. I'm sure Noah was very grateful that he obeyed God because he stepped onto an ark of salvation and his family stepped on it with him. And that's the greatest thing that we can do for our families. With all the other things that we can talk about, we must give our faith away. We must lead our families toward the ark of salvation. And this is the beautiful picture that emerges in the Bible. Corey Tim Boone, in her book, The Hiding Place, shared a story of hiding her Bible under her thin prison uniform. She asked God to hide her with, her with his angels from the Nazi guards and they didn't pay attention to her and let her walk right by with that Bible. There were plenty of uh, rooms in the ark and there's room in the ark for you. In my father's house there are many dwelling places. If it were not so, I would have told you. There's room in the ark for you. Have you climbed aboard? 
Are you telling other people that there's salvation and hope in Jesus Christ? The Bible says in Colossians 3.3, you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. In other words, He's got you covered. We've all made mistakes. We've all, in, we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And He's covered us in His righteousness. In fact, He's cleansed us from all sin. This is the beauty of the ark. There's a deeper picture to it. This is Living Truth Radio, and we have the privilege of coming over this station to you. But um, the privilege does have a cost, and we just want to take a moment to let you know that we want to thank you for praying for us and partnering with us on Living Truth Radio. There's a way that you can give to this radio broadcast. We do have some wonderful open doors, but we do need you to partner with us in prayer and in giving. If you can give to the ongoing radio ministry of Living Truth, we deeply appreciate it. Uh, when Oscar and I walk into this studio and we have Cameron doing recording for us, none of us get paid to do radio. We're doing it because it's a passion. And if you can partner with us, we'd appreciate it. Here's how you can help us out. You can go to livingtruthradio.org. That's livingtruthradio.org. Click on the Donate tab. You'll see a picture of Pastor Michael there. Make sure that when you go to the PayPal account, you indicate that your gift is for radio ministry. If you'd like to send a gift, you can send it to Living Truth 1009, Arsenal Way, think of the armor of God, Corona, California, 92880. Again, that is Living Truth 1009, Arsenal Way, Corona, California, 92880. If you have any needs that we can help you with, you can always give us a call. The office is open on the West Coast here in Southern California, Tuesday through Friday from 9 to about 5 in the afternoon. Our number is 951-735-2856. You can find out all that information and directions to Living Truth Christian Fellowship in the city of Corona by going to our website. If you're ever in the area, we'd love to have you come and worship with us. We have services at 9 and 11.15 a.m. We have a lot of things for kids. We have childcare, Sunday school classes that run concurrent with the services. And you can find out all those details one more time at livingtruthradio.org. On behalf of Oscar Santa Cruz and Cameron Thomas, this is Pastor Michael Lance. We'll catch you next time on Living Truth Radio. Thank you for listening to today's broadcast. Living Truth Radio is a listener-supported ministry, and we have an opportunity to expand our reach. We exist to build up believers and reach out with the gospel to others. And we need you, our listening family, to partner with us in prayer and in giving in order to do that. You can give in a couple different ways. One way is to go online to livingtruthradio.org, or you can send in your offering to Living Truth Christian Fellowship, 1009 Arsenal Way, Corona, California, 92. Thank you for listening to today's program. If you'd like to listen to this message again, learn more about our church in Corona, or to access archived messages, go to livingtruthradio.org and click on the church tab. You can follow us on Instagram at livingtruthcorona or download the Living Truth Christian Fellowship app on Apple and Android devices. Living Truth Radio is a listener-supported ministry. You can partner with us by donating at livingtruthradio.org.